of worship as we uh, do scripture reading. Today's passage comes from Genesis 12, verses 10, um, all the way through chapter 13, verses 1 through um, the end of the chapter. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible in front of you, uh, you'll find it in page 8, page 8. Please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 12, starting from verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for, this, and for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into Negeb, into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. <clears throat> then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kingsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered, everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other, Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valleys and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, 
lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, where, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Thanks be, sorry, this is the word of the Lord. Also, thanks be to God. <laughs> Thank you. All right, good morning, church. Thank you, Akil, for that. Uh, that was a lot to read. And uh, I want to say a quick thank you to the, the music team this morning. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, college kids, uh, the Rice students, they have finals this weekend. Um, I don't know, you can imagine how much anxiety and stress they're all going through right now. Probably not even going to listen to this message. Uh, but if you remember, if you remember them this week, pray for them. Uh, remember that anxiety that you had when you had finals. Uh, just pray for peace. Uh, pray for them. Just, as just, just love on them as a church uh, this week. Uh, so, but let me let me pray uh, as I get started here. Okay, God, I just thank you for your word, and I pray that your word would be open to our eyes and into our hearts, and more so, I pray that your spirit would transform our hearts to love you, to trust you, to see you in your goodness and your beauty. And so, God, I pray that you would do great works, that you would preach a better message than that is heard here today. Spirit, do great work. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you weren't here last week or past two weeks, I just want to give you a quick recap. Um, Pastor Henry, he preached on Abram receiving the call. And what was the call? The call was to go from your country at the beginning, uh, sorry, at the beginning of Genesis 12. He says, to go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing I mean, this is huge. This is huge because this is pretty much like the beginning of um, beginning of um, beginning of the rest of the Bible. If anything, uh, of course, the Bible starts with Adam and Eve, but Ab- Abraham, or now Abram, um, he's going to be the father. He's going to be what Father Abraham, right? So, Father Abraham, y'all start thinking about that song. Um, y'all know what I'm talking about? Right hand, left hand, up, down, spin around, sit down. Right. So Father Abraham, this is like the beginning of the rest of the Bible. Um, and even like the book of Matthew, if you remember, if you remember Matthew chapter one, right? Um, the, the genealogy starts with Abraham, right? And so, um, this is, this is a huge thing that we're doing, uh, that, that God, uh, calls Abraham to do in chapter 12. And, um, that's where we, we're, that's where we were at, and Abraham, he, re, Abraham, uh, he receives a call to go and move from his father's home and house, and, uh, and he goes, in, and goes into a land that he doesn't know. Uh, and so we follow. We, we followed him through, uh, through, through, through leaving his family, we, you know, leaving his father. Uh, we follow him in the story, and they, um, and they end up in the land of Canaan, in Canaan where, he, uh, where he hears from God again. And he hears from God, and he says, you know what, I, God says, I'm going to give you this land, and your offspring, um, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. Um, and so he sets up, he sets up an altar there, and he worship, and then he continues on in his journey. 
Um, and this is where we pick up in our passage today where he, he hears the call and he moves and he goes into land and he worships. Um, this is where we're picking up passage today, and we come to these two seemingly kind of um, unrelated stories, uh, you could say. Um, you know, we have the story of Abraham and Sarai. They go into Egypt, and, and they, they, they lie about their status. Um, and then we have this other story where, um, where Abraham and Lot, they choose lands, and they, they, they go their different ways. I'm like, okay, and for, I'll be honest with you. When I read this, I'm like, Okay, I, I have no idea how these two are connected. Why am I giving these two passages, these two stories together? Um, and of course, they, it'll come together. But uh, I'll be, for me, I'm just like, I don't know, right? And uh, before getting into it. But, uh, but what we'll see, though, what we'll see through these two stories um, is one theme. These two seemingly unrelated stories have one theme of God's faithfulness. Um, God's faithfulness, and we'll go through that, and we'll see God's faithfulness through the story. Um, and my hope is that you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be encouraged by God's faithfulness in Abram's life, and so that you would be uh, encouraged in God's, by God's faithfulness in your life today. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to do. I'm just going to kind of talk through these two stories, and, um, and that's why there's only two points, um, one for each story. Uh, but the first thing we're going to see is God's faithfulness despite Adam's manipulation. And so uh, let's look at uh, Genesis 12.10. Uh, if you look at Genesis 12.10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Let's just stop right there real quick. Let's just think about this. I want you all to think about this. Soon after God gives his glorious promise to Abraham, right? He gives his glorious promise. Uh, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. Right? If you remember back yesterday, or last week, Pastor Henry, he said what? He said, to be a nation, you needed people, and you needed land. And so what? God calls Abraham to settle in this land of Canaan, and all of a sudden what happens? They get to Canaan, and then they got to move. Right? They get to Canaan, they got to move on because there's this famine in the land. And so it, it, it's like, wait, wait, God, what are you doing here? Well, God, like, you wanted me to go to Canaan, and then now I got to pick up and pick up our stuff and go? Like, so sometimes our logic does not follow God's logic. You guys understand this? Sometimes the way we think does not align with the way God thinks and the way God acts. Many times, you and I, we don't understand what God does, and, and, and that's okay. A lot of times, it won't make sense to us, but it does to God, doesn't it? A lot of times, we don't have full understanding of anything, but God does. A lot of times, we might not even have a hint of our future. Actually, no one has any clue about what our future, what our future holds next for us. None of us know that. But you know who does? God does. We must remember this. We must remember, and this is why his ways are so much higher than our ways. And so, you know, you, know, you guys got to understand, the picture of this is like we're that two-year-old in the backseat of the car telling God how to drive. And that's who we are. And a lot of times, you and I, we don't understand a lot, but yet God does. 
And so let's move on. Let's move on in this. So, so Abraham and Sarah, they, they, they head out to Egypt. They head out to Egypt, which makes sense. Um, Egypt would have, been, would have had food, right? They, they, were, they were along the Nile. They were along the Nile River. And, and this famine was probably brought up by a drought. Um, and that's just kind of looking through this text. Because we know in the next chapter, when Lot, he, when he chooses a land, when he goes left or right, um, he sees, it says that he sees the Jordan River, uh, the Jordan Valley, and it was well watered everywhere. Uh, so Egypt, Egypt was a place to go to survive. Um, and this is actually where things go, down, go south, literally and metaphorically, right? And so uh, Genesis 12, if you guys look at it, Genesis 12, 11 through 13, let's read that. Uh, 11 through 13, and 11 says, When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know you are, wo- you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live Say you are my sister, and it may go well, and it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. We see the problem. We see the problem here in this passage. Abram is afraid for his life. Like he's not just paranoid or anxious for no reason. Like it's understandable. He's not just oh, like like it's not like oh, Abram, why, why are you thinking like that? What's going on here? No, he 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 has a legitimate reason. He's not just paranoid. Um, if anything, we actually see Abram. He's right. Uh, he's partly right, actually. Uh, he he believed Sarah was beautiful in appearance, and he actually believed that the Egyptians would believe the same thing. Um, you know, some, come, some commentators, they speculate, hey, you know, uh, Sarah, he might, she might have been like, had like a, they said she had like a mountainous tone, a skin tone. I don't know what that meant, right? Um, but it was different from the skin tones of the Egyptians. And uh, so that might have made her more beautiful appearance. And, and, and Abraham was right. And, right uh, so uh, the Egyptians thought she was beautiful, um, and, and the Egyptians thought she was beautiful. And not only that, not only the people on the streets, but uh, the princess of Pharaoh thought so too. And, and they started, and I, I don't know what happened. Maybe, you know, it, like word got around on the streets of this beautiful woman. And, and the princess of Pharaoh, they, they kept hearing about it. They saw her. And then, and then they themselves would talk her up to Pharaoh himself. And so eventually, uh, Pharaoh himself uh, talk, when, when he saw her, um, he, you know, what happened here was uh, he wanted to take her in, right? take her in to be his wife. And so, um, so what happened here is Sarai, she was so beautiful that Abram, he had to scheme. He had to scheme. He, he was afraid for his life. You know, he thought that they would kill him so they would take her from Abram. Uh, so his scheme was to tell him, hey, you're my sister. You're my sister. Um, and this kind of, and if you think about it, this plan makes sense in this time. Um, she's his half-sister. Uh, and so what that meant for Abraham and Sarah was that he was kind of her guardian in this situation. And because of that, um, Abraham was thinking, hey, because I'm kind of like your guardian, I have say in your life, then the Egyptians won't, will, will protect me for your sake. Right? They won't do anything uh, to me because of that brother-sister relationship, this, this half-brother, half-sister relationship. Um, uh, and, and so Abram, he was thinking maybe this plan would work. 
And maybe we could give him the benefit of doubt on that. Maybe we could give him the benefit of doubt like, you know, he was really concerned about, you know, not dying. He was really concerned about, uh, you know, carrying on the promise of God. And, um, but the thing is, through his scheming and through his planning, he did not trust God. He didn't trust God. I mean, there could be different reasons. He didn't trust God. I'm not saying that this justifies his decision. I'm not saying this justifies uh, him scheming and not trusting God, but it might help explain this situation. I mean, all, I mean, think about it. If all Abram had to do was, was to remember God's promise to him, all he had to do was remember to, that, that God's promise to him was to make his name great and to, to make him into a great nation. And if he remembered that, then God's promise, then, then, God, then he would maybe think, hey, God will protect me. But he didn't. Maybe in this story, God, he, maybe he doesn't trust God because he just wasn't thinking about it. I mean, maybe he thought the situation was a situation that he had to handle himself, that he had to, you know, just like, I, I'm just going to do this myself. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to handle this. Uh, I'm going to figure out on my own. I'm, maybe I don't want to bother God with this, right? Um, I mean, don't we do that sometimes? Don't we do that with our, our anxiety and our stress? I mean, maybe in the middle of Abraham and the anxiety of stress of a famine, and maybe in the middle of the needing to pick up a life and, and just pick up and move again and move to somewhere and try to find food to provide for his family, maybe in that anxiety and stress, he just forgot about God. And he just forgets about God's promises in those moments. Maybe we could say, hey, Abraham, he was young in his faith. He was young in his faith. I mean, think about it. Think about this. Think about the, what's going on in, this, in the story already. He only recently started following Yahweh God in this, right? You know, he, he showed great obedience by leaving his father's home, but uh, we, we know how, how far our obedience goes sometimes, right? And, and, and if uh, we, we know, we know that, uh, or, you know, sometimes we, we, we're, familiar, we're familiar with the story of Genesis, and we know, hey, you know, uh, even though he was obedient in this time, but we know Abraham, he fails, and he, he, he's not faithful the whole time. And we know that this story itself kind of repeats itself later on. There's a, there's a similar story that happens. And maybe it's because he hadn't seen God pull through yet. He just started following God, Yahweh God, and he hadn't seen God's power. He hadn't seen God do great things and, and save him from different things. So I don't know. I don't know about you guys. There's so many different reasons that you and I don't trust God, though, isn't there? There's so many times. There's so many times. Like, think back to this week. There's probably at least five different times that you did not trust God this week. And there's so many different reasons, there's so many different things that we're, we're in our life, we do not trust God. And I actually hope that, that as we look at the life of Abraham, uh, that, that it would bring you some encouragement. And not because he's this great example of faith, uh, but this great man of faith, this, this man of, great man of faith, he doubted. He doubted all the time as well. This great man of faith makes the same mistakes in life. Does that sound familiar? Where you make the same mistakes in life over and over and over, sometimes stuck in some sin. This great man of faith 
who we look at, the, fa- uh, the father of our faith, kind of, or, uh, father of, of the, uh, God's people, Father Abraham, he doesn't always, he isn't always faithful. I think if I was asked if anyone can relate to Abraham, we would all raise our hands in here. But isn't this the beautiful picture of the gospel? Isn't this the beautiful picture of the gospel? The picture of the gospel where God is faithful to his promise despite our unfaithfulness. The promise of the gospel is to come with your failures and his promise still stands and his presence is still with you in your life, in your failure, in your continued failure, in your repeated failures. This is the beauty of the gospel. It doesn't matter because he might have, Abraham might have been young and maybe there's some of us in here, you've been a Christian for one year and two years and you know, you're, maybe you're like, you know what, I can't wait till I'm Christian for like 10 years, I'll be so mature that I will be so much better at handling my sin. Those of us who have been Christian in here for 20, 30 years, you're gonna be like, you're in for a surprise. If you've been Christian in here for 40, 50 years, you know just how much sin can easily entangle you. It doesn't matter how mature you are. But you know what matters, though? You know what, what doesn't change when you're a Christian from four, two years old? And when for, if you've been, sorry, we've been Christian for two, 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 two years or you've been Christian for 20 years, God's faithfulness is the same throughout all that. When God gives his promise to Abraham, it wasn't based on Abraham's goodness and faithfulness. It wasn't based on Abraham and what he did and who he was. And so when we come to God, we come to God based on Jesus' complete goodness and complete faithfulness in life. So we got to see that. So let's, let's keep going, though. Let's keep going in this story. And we learn a little bit, little bit more about what happens to Abram when he does not trust God. And so let's continue on in, Abram, in, in verse 15. Verse 15, it says, And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Abram, he didn't trust God. He didn't trust God. And because of this distrust, so much happened, right? Because of his scheming and because of his manipulation, you know, again, it was all to protect his own life over his wife's safety, and as soon, again, as soon as Pharaoh hears and probably sees Sarah, he takes her to be his own wife. And we don't know exactly happened, and we don't know, uh, but we, what we do know is that things didn't go as planned. Things didn't go as planned because why? Because Pharaoh, he takes Sarah to be her wife. She takes him away from Abram. And on top of that, something terrible must have happened because God steps in and he brings plagues on the house of Pharaoh. So the situation, when God, when Abram did not trust God, the situation turned dark. And God needed to save Abram and Sarah from it. So God, he afflicts Pharaoh's house with plagues. 
He, he may, maybe, and I, I, we don't know what happened, but may, I, I want, I, we can say that, may, we can maybe say, hey, maybe Sarah was, was the only one that was safe uh, from these plagues. Uh, because Pharaoh, if you think about this, if you look at this, Pharaoh, he somehow knows and comes to know about the plans and schemes of, uh, plans and schemes of, uh, um, uh, of Abram and Sarai. And so, my, I, you know, um, and maybe the plagues were affecting everyone in the household except for Sarah. And so, you know, Pharaoh would go to Sarah, what's going on? Why, why are you not, you know, what's, why are you not being affected by these plagues? Um, but he knew, right? He knew what was going on. Maybe Sarah and Sarah told him. But the situation, again, the situation turned dark, and God needed to save them. And this is, if we look at the situation, this just goes to show that when we rely on ourselves, when we, rely, when we rely on our strength, when we rely on our own wisdom, when we rely on our own doings and our own work, our plans will fail. Our plans will disappoint. Our plans, when we walk outside of seeking God, is a very, what happens is the very opposite of what God has and wants for us. And, and, and what happens is, Actually, in this situation, in Abram, when he walked outside of God's will and God's plan, he walked outside of this, his blessing to bless others. Uh, I, I want you to see what happened here. What happened in this story? Abram, he's not a blessing here. Again, his wife is in danger and has become a, a, another man's wife. And so instead of being a blessing to the nation, uh, and because of the situation, because of Sarah becoming another man's wife, what happens? Plagues are brought on to Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh, in this story, think about this. Pharaoh is actually innocent in the story. He's the one who actually takes the moral high ground here. He's the morally superior one in this situation. He's the one who actually fears God. He actually sees God and sees his power and wants nothing to do with God. What was his reaction to this? What was his response? He's like, go. I don't want nothing to do with you, Abram. Take your wife and go and leave our house because he has seen God and he does not want to see God's power to inflict his house any longer. And he's the one that sees God for who he is, who God is. Maybe he, Pharaoh saw his God, his own little gods and idols had no power over Yahweh God. I mean, isn't that the story of Exodus that we went through where, 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 where the Pharaoh's gods could not overpower Yahweh God and his power? And that's kind of what's going on here. The, the God is the one true God over all the other gods and all the other idols. And so, guys, you got to see this. You have to see what's going on here. And you have to see who God is, that he is the one true Yahweh God who is over every little idol in your life now. So God should be this God in your life. Yahweh is the only true God who we can put full trust in. You guys understand, when you and I, when you and I do not trust God, we cannot be a blessing to others. When you and I do not trust God, when you and I do not walk in the path of God, we cannot fulfill the call that God has for us. 
you guys understand, our life is about one thing, to know Jesus and to make him known. Do you guys remember that song, maybe in the 90s, early 2000s, I think it was like single-minded, wholehearted. If you remember the lyrics in that bridge, the lyrics in the bridge, I believe it said, all of life comes down to just one thing, and that's to know you, oh Jesus, and to make you known. Maybe you're thinking of that tune right now. And all of life comes down to just one thing, to know you, oh Jesus, and to make you known. It's one and the same. When you and I do not fully know and trust God, what we're doing is that we're, what we're doing is we're showing the world that we believe that another way is better in life. When you and I do not trust God and we put trust in ourselves, what we're, sh- what we're showing the world is that we believe that we're better than God. And we cannot be a blessing to others when you and I do that. If we believe and we trust God and believe everything that he has for us in our life, then we would deny ourselves daily. We would deny ourselves because we believe God is worth it. And we we believe it and we believe God is worth it. We believe in who he is and we trust in him fully. And when we live that out, when we live that out, then and only then can you and I be a blessing. Because you guys got to understand this. The world around us does not care for our way of life. The world, your friends who do not Jesus, does not care for the way of Jesus. The world around us, the world, they don't, they don't care about our standards. They don't care about our way of life. They don't care about our morals. But do you know what, who, what they care about, though? They will care about our Savior who loves them. They will care about Yahweh God who is there for them. But do we show? Do we show that God is better? When you and I see God's goodness and faithfulness, then and only then will we live out goodness and faithfulness. And so that's kind of what we see next in this next story. Uh, we see God's faithfulness and God and Abraham's uh, magnanimity, all right? Uh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, I, I didn't know what that word meant, um, I, I'll be honest with you, you know. Didn't do so great on SAT vocab. Um, if, you know that, if you don't know what that word means, Google it real quick. I think it's like, gener- you know, Abraham's generosity and big generosity and... Um, uh, and, but that's what we kind of we see here. Abraham being generous, and that's kind of what we see in this next story. Um, if anything, we're going to see a lot of links and a lot of parallels between these two stories. Um, and, and, I'll, and again, I'll be honest with you. I was confused. Like, what is, again, what is this story of Abraham lying and Abraham letting, choose Lot, uh, letting, uh, letting Lot choose first? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, or even, I was like, what does... Uh, why, why was it so significant for a lot to choose first? Right? Is it like the NFL draft where someone just gives up the first pick of the draft? Like, like think about, you know, if you guys knew, know the Texans draft, right? They, they had the second pick, and then uh, they had the third pick. And somehow they traded it. Uh, they traded up for it. And they traded a lot to get that third pick. Uh, but is, it, is that kind of what's happening here where, um, you know, like, um, you know, having the first pick is better. Having the first pick is the way to go. And I, I, I was kind of confused about that. Um, 
Uh, but, but what we'll see as we keep going is we'll see the significance of it. Uh, we'll see the significance of, of why Abram let, lets Lot choose first. And so uh, let's just read on in the story. Let's continue in the story, and we'll see how the stories are connected. Um, and I want, to, I want to point out two things, though, uh, two things that sets the tone for this, this next section. Um, if anything, so first, in Genesis, I want you to look back in Genesis 12, 8. So we're going to go back to before what Akil read today. Genesis 12, 8. Genesis 12, 8 says, From there he moved to the country, hill country uh, on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent and, and, and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And so that's the beginning of the first story. And in verse uh, 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 4, if you read it again, it says, To the place where he had made at an altar the first time. And Abram, there, upon the name of, uh, uh, called upon the name of the Lord. And so these two stories, the two stories, uh, uh, the beginning of these two stories begins with Abram calling upon the name of the Lord. So that's the first thing. But the second thing that we see here, another thing that connects it, um, so in the, if you guys think about it, uh, Genesis 12, right? Uh, Genesis, at the beginning, at the end of Genesis 12, there was a famine in the land. There was not enough food in the land. Uh, in Genesis 13, in this second story, what happens? There was another shortage of food. Another shortage of food. And, and, and it wasn't because of famine in the land this time. Uh, but there was a shortage of food because Abram and Lot, they were just so wealthy. They were just so wealthy and had so much livestock that the land just couldn't uh, support them all. And, and so there was just like, maybe no more grass to eat for their, for their, for their animals. And um, the land just could not sustain them. And if you think about this, so after Egypt, after Egypt, Abram, he acquired so much from Pharaoh. Um, yeah, he was so wealthy. And to help us understand how wealthy or how much he had, um, we got to look back at, at, at um, chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 16. Let's look at that real quick. Verse 12, verse 16, he says, For her sake, he, Pharaoh, dwelt, dealt well with Abram. And so we look at this list. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, and female servants. But then he lists two things at the end. Two things. Female donkeys and camels. So if you look at this, and if you look at it, it's like, oh, wait, why does, why, does, why does Moses say, why does Moses say uh, male donkeys and female donkeys? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't he just say donkeys in general? Um, but, but he does this because um, he wants to specifically show female donkeys and camels. Um, and female donkeys, they were uh, much more expensive. Uh, female donkeys were much more valuable in the land. Um, they were so much more useful uh, to everyone, and so that's why they were more expensive. And then here he lists out camels. I mean, if you had camels, you were extremely rich. Um, and so they, they were much more valuable than a, a female donkey. Uh, so an example um, I guess to kind of put it in today's terms, having that female donkey is like having an AMG G-Wagon, if you know what that means, right? Um, and then and having a camel was like kind of like having a Ferrari and, or, or, or like a Bentley type. And so you got this, you know, female donkey, super sensitive, super nice car, um, but then camels, even more expensive and even more luxurious. And, and that's kind of the wealth that Abram had leaving Egypt. 
Um, and, and, and so he, uh, what, what we see here is probably that he has so much that he shared it with Lot. And so Lot had his own property here. He had, he had his own people and his own livestock. Um, and so actually for both instances uh, of this story, uh, it said that they, they were so rich, it used this word heavy. Um, that, 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 um, that, that Abraham was, was heavy in livestock. And again, another, another uh, connection point, because if you guys remember, uh, it said that the, there was a famine in the land, and, and the, the famine was severe. And that's the same word, that the famine was heavy. Uh, again, little connections there. Um, but I want y'all to see this, though. Well, I want you to see that Abram, he has all of these, ha- he, all of these things happening where um, the two stories, he's worshiping God. He calls upon the name of the Lord at the beginning of these two stories. And what follows, what follows these two instances, what happens? Problems arise. And so the, the writer, Moses, he goes, yeah, Abram, he worships God. He calls upon the name of the Lord. And the immediate thing that he writes about is what? There's problems arises. The first story, there's famine. And the second story, that there's, there's a scuffle between him and Lot and their people. So much of our lives, so much in our lives, we face these highs and lows of life right next to each other. Abraham, he worships him and immediately, he, Abraham, he worships and immediately hardships and problems happen. And this is, this happens in back-to-back stories, back-to-back stories, worship, hardship, worship, hardship. So my question to you guys right now is, what is your response to hardship in life? What is your response to hardship in, in difficult situations in life? Do you turn? Do you turn and blame God for what's happening to you? Do you turn and blame God and go, well, God, why do you let this happen to me? Do we shake our fist at God and say, God, why are you doing this? How could you do this? How could you let this happen? You know, sometimes, sometimes you and I, we go, God, I've been so faithful, God. I've been serving left and right. I've been loving people. I've been trying to take care of people. I've been doing all this for you. I've been serving the kids' ministry. I serve the youth ministry. I, I, I sing on the music team. I do, I do all these things for you in church, and yet you let this happen to me. I read my Bible, and I pray to you, and this is what I get for that. What do I get in return for my faithfulness? Suffering? And sometimes we act like God owes us. And there's a self-righteousness in that response. There's a self-righteousness in this response like that. Or is your response different? Is your response the opposite? You know, would your response to hardship in life be one that is in line with the work of the gospel in your life? Would your response to hardships in life be one, uh, it would be a response that knows that God owes us nothing because he has already given us everything in his son, Jesus Christ. Do we understand or do, do we understand that, that God owes us nothing because he has given his son, given us his son who we don't even deserve? He has given us a love that, 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 that we 
all, all the time that, that we constantly push away. God puts his love on us and we push it away. God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we push him away and we turn our back towards him. He's given us all that we need in Christ. And if, we, if you are in a Christ in here, we, there's, there's never a time that we're in need of anything else in life. Because in Christ, we have so much more. Because you understand, in Christ, we have so much more than Abram and, and his female donkeys and camels. Do you understand that? And so in Christ, we have so much more, and we're so wealthy. Way beyond Abraham and Abram and his wealth. And I think that's what we see here in, in, in Genesis 13. Abraham's decision to let Lot choose first is a response to God's salvation. Abraham to let Lot choose is a response to, to God, God's salvation. Because we read in the story that there's, there's strife between Abraham and Lot and, and their workers. And so Abraham decides that this quarreling is not worth it. It's not the way to go. So he says, you're going to go one way, and whatever way you choose, I'm going to go the other way. And so we see a difference in his, in his response this time. We see a difference in Abraham's response to hardship uh, compared to the previous one. This, in this story, Abraham, what does he do? He doesn't think about himself. In this story, he actually risks, he risks it all. In this story, he, 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 he believed that God would come through. In, in this story, he believed God would come through. Why? Why would he believe that? Because in this story, uh, in, in, this, in the story before, I think this is the first time Abraham see that God pulls through in a big way. That was the first time he sees God pull through. And just imagine, just imagine what Abram was have been going through when, when Sarai was taken away from him. Imagine that situation, being that situation where your wife or your spouse is taken away from you, where your child is taken away from you. You'll probably be freaking out. You might be like, what am I going to do? Okay, I got to think of another plan. I got to do something about the situation. I got to figure it out. Because in his scheming, uh, Abraham dug a, a hole that he could not get himself out of. In his scheming, his situation went from worse to impossible. In his lying, it was bad to impossible, but God saved him. God revealed to Abraham, I got this when you don't. God revealed to Abraham, you can plan all you want but you will get out of everything because of me and you will be a blessing to the nations because of me. God revealed to Abraham, nothing will thwart my plans and nothing will keep you on the right path except for me. Because in this second story, because in the second story, Lot, when, when, when Abraham told, 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 uh, told Lot to choose, Lot, he could have chose the land of Canaan. He could have chose the land of Canaan. He could have chose the land that was promised to Abram. Well, instead, he does choose the land that was well watered. Uh, you know, the, it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. You know, again, most likely a response to the famine, but, but that's what the land chooses. But Abram wouldn't have known what Lot would have chose. Abram doesn't know the future again, right? But God does. But Abram know, doesn't know the future. Lot could have chosen the land promised to Abram, but Abram knew that if he did, that if Lot did choose that land, God would have given it back to him. God would have given it back to him because God comes through and fulfills his promises. 
And this is the last thing, the one last thing we see here in this passage. That God reassures Abram that he fulfills his promises. And when we see God telling Abram to do three things here, right? The la- in the last part of this pa- story, he tells Abram, look in any direction. North, south, east, west. It doesn't matter where you look, it's yours. Look north, it's yours. Look south, it's yours. Look east, it's yours. Look west, it's yours. He wants to reassure Abram of the promise. What does, he tell, what does he say next? He says the second thing. He says, your offspring will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Land, people, great nation. Remember? Land and people, great nation. Not just a small little nation. A great nation that fills the earth. The last thing we see here. God says, walk, walk through the land and see the land. And this symbolizes, and Abram walking through the land symbolizes kind of this taking over the territory. Think Jericho. Why why walk around a city for seven days and, and actually do nothing but walk? It's this idea of this is ours. This land is ours. The people probably thought the people, you know, like, why are they walking around? Yeah, it, it, this is symbolizes this territory is ours, and we're coming for it. And so when Abraham walks through the, length, the breadth of the land, this is God telling him, the plan still stands. The plan is still going to come through. You know, a few, a few weeks ago, I was playing volleyball, and, and there were a few plays where the ball, uh, we were receiving the ball to serve, and the ball just kept going to the back right. And I was on the left. It wasn't my fault. But the ball kept going to the back right. And the ball kept going out. Oh, sorry. The ball kept going in. Um, in this situation, it, 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 here's the thing. You know, we all thought the ball was going to go out, right? And, you know, we didn't say anything, so it was my fault. Um, but the teammate in the back, the teammate in the back where the ball went through and the ball kept dropping in, he's like, you know what? I'm doubling down on my decision. The ball's going to drop out. He's going to go out at some point. And, and, and he's like, I'm doubling down. I'm, I'm not changing the game plan. Of course, after two times or three times, the ball finally goes out. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, we stick to the plan. Double down on it. And, and that's the situation. In this situation of God going with Abraham, he's going, look. Look at the land. Look at the dust of the earth. And look at, walk through this, walk through this land. This is God saying, I'm doubling down on you, Abraham. I'm not changing the game plan. I'm not swerving left or right because something happens. Because why? Because nothing can thwart my plans. Nothing can thwart the plans of you being a blessing to the world. And so I'm doubling down on you, not because of you, Abraham, because of your unfaithfulness or faithfulness. Because I'm doubling down on you because there's no other plan. I'm doubling down on you, Abram, because why? Because the whole world will be blessed through you, your, your, your son, through my son, Jesus Christ, who comes through you. So I'm doubling down on you, Abraham, because, of, I'm, because eventually I'm going to double down on my son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way for the world to be blessed around us uh, except through Jesus Christ. So guys, you got to understand. You guys got to understand. If you are in Christ, God has doubled down on you to go and be a blessing. 
when you and I, when you and I, you and I walk faithful to God, we become a blessing to others. Because too much of Christianity today is all about do this and don't do that and be good and all these putting our morals on other people. I think we need to start making Christianity about being a blessing to others and bringing others to know the goodness and faithfulness of God. So again, God's plan to bless the whole world through Abram, his plans aren't going to change. Nothing's going to thwart God's plans. And he's faithful. He's faithful to complete the blessing of blessing the world. And that happens through Jesus Christ. And then because of us, because of us being in Jesus, we must go and be a blessing to everyone around us and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your faithfulness in our life. And I pray that we would trust you in our life. I pray that we will be able to see that we can trust you so that we may exemplify your goodness and your faithfulness and, and, and your love towards us and your love that you've shown to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And in the end, that we would become a blessing to others around us. So God, may we rely on you. May we seek you out. May we walk in your faithfulness to us. I pray this in Jesus' name.